You are listening to Overcomers Church International Podcast. Here at OCI, we are dedicated to our vision of building strong people and building strong churches. From wherever you are listening, we hope this message leaves you equipped and encouraged. Liz and I have been ministering on faith, and um, we're going to, I, I say this will be the last week, but maybe we'll do it again one more week. We'll just see how it goes. But you know, we are people of faith. And we're supposed to be people of faith. There are a lot of things going on, and I'll just say in the, the Christian which I don't hate to even say Christian because if you don't believe in faith, how can you even call yourself a Christian? But there's a lot of people that are very against messages on faith. Don't ever be one of those people because I can tell you now, people of faith are the strongest people. They're the happiest people. They have more joy and they have more success in their life because the essence of faith is just trusting in the Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And so what we're going to do is we're going to show you some different uh, levels or things involved with, with Bible faith, with believing the Lord. And many times in the Word, Jesus said, to him, to him who believes, or all, thing, all things are possible to him that believes. He said these kind of things, or according to your faith, it was, it was done unto you. And we have um, a lot of teaching, and from, from some people that I, that I love, they would teach these kind of things. And I love them and, and respect them. I just strongly disagree with them. But they teach things uh, along the lines of that, you know, God ultimately is the one that just decides. And whether you believe or not doesn't make a difference. If that was the case, then why do we have a shield of faith that we have the choice to use? Why did Jesus say, like I said, according to your faith, be it done unto you? Faith is a choice. Faith it is, is a decision. It's a lifestyle you can enter into, but it is your decision and your choice to enter into that lifestyle. And when you do, and you make the choice of, I'm going to trust the Lord in everything, you're going to see great results. Because the way the kingdom works is that, you know, we actually are not trying to get God to, get a, to give us anything. If you're trying to get God to give you something, then you're living like an Old Testament believer. We're New Testament people. On this side of the cross, Jesus has already given us everything. We can't have any more than what he's already given us. We're just learning how to manifest what he has given us. And we do that. The basis, the bedrock for doing that is faith. And Jesus made one of the most interesting statements. And he said that when the Son of Man returns, he said, will he find faith on the earth? Will he really find faith on the earth? And this is in Luke chapter 16. When the Son of Man returns, actually it's Luke 18, will he really find faith on the earth? And the more I've meditated on that very phrase, and that was Jesus speaking, saying, when I return, will I find people who will believe in me? And he wouldn't ask a question like that unless there was a possibility of people not believing in him. Makes sense, doesn't it? So then we have it upon ourselves, and as we see the hour drawing closer, 
You know, I, I, and I, I listen to different people and different ministers, and some of them are like, man, Jesus is going to return any minute. And some people are, I think we've got 50 years, and other people are, you know, people got different opinions on it or whatever, but we're certainly not moving further away from that time. Can everybody agree on that? And so the, the end is drawing closer, and will we be people that are found in faith believing God? And I've determined in my heart and I've gone through things like everybody else, and I've had times where it was like I just wanted to throw up my hands and not praise the Lord, but throw up my hands and quit. I've been there before, but I've determined, I've, I've just become steadfast on the inside. My heart is so fixed that I will not quit on God. You know, the word says that he will never leave us and he will never forsake us. We need to develop a, a, a word in our own heart that says, I will never leave him and I will never forsake him. There are people that are forsaking the Lord left and right. They're forsaking the concepts, the precepts, the truths that are in his word, basic principles that are in the word of God. People are, are fleeing and moving away from those things by the droves. And we have to be people that we just come to determine in our heart and within ourselves, no matter what we see, no matter what we experience, no matter what happens or doesn't happen, no matter what happens with our, the next election, no matter what happens with the economy, no matter what happens with people around us, we are going to be people of faith. We get resolved. We get, we get steadfast on the inside that we're going to trust God from this day all the way until the very end of our life. Just go ahead and make it up in your mind and in your heart that that's what you're going to do. Hallelujah. And in doing so, we're going to see tremendous things. And the deal is, is that, you know, when you look at here, the heroes of faith, the heroes of faith, it says, and this is in Hebrews chapter, I believe it's, cha it's chapter 11, it says that whenever, uh, that, that many of them died and they died in faith, not having received the promise. See, faith, it is about seeing manifestation. And without faith, you're not going to get manifestation of what God has promised. There's many verses that depict that. But it's more than just about seeing something that God has promised come to pass in your life. It's a lifestyle. It's a mentality. It's a heart condition. And it's a way that we are supposed to live to where we could get at the end of our life. And when people would speak about us, Upon our death, what would they say about us? You know, this has come, Liz and I have talked about this, or I think I did most of the talking and, and she probably listened, but I, I, remember, I remember saying recently, what are people going to say about me when I'm gone? That's a really good question. And you, you're not going to care because you'll be gone, but still, what are people going to say? And I want people, and I said, oh yeah, I said this yesterday morning. I said, I said, when I die, I want them to write on my, which then would be you because I'll die before you, amen? I'm older, it's a natural progression. Uh, <laughs> but I want them to write on my tombstone, he died in faith. Because what it was said, and if you go and read in Hebrews chapter 11, by faith, uh, Enoch, by faith Abraham, by faith Sarah, by faith all of these people did what they did, even though some of them had not actually received 
any or all of the, of the promise that God had promised them. Because see, if you make it only about receiving and you don't get it in the time or the way that you think you ought to get it, and I'm not saying we shouldn't believe God for more and to manifest more, to make known more in our life, but if you make it all about that and you don't see it, you could get thrown off course really easy and not just remain a person of faith. Well, I'm going to believe God. Because see, people do this all the time. When I'll preach on miracles, I'll preach on healing. They'll go, well, what about so-and-so? And I prayed and it didn't happen. Or I saw you pray for somebody and they died. What does that have to do with believing God? Tell me, what does that have to do with believing God? It doesn't have anything to do with believing God. That has everything to do with disbelieving God. If you're going to continue to look at those things and consider those things, and it even says about the heroes of faith, it says that they didn't have opportunity to return to their homeland because they were not, because they, they were pilgrims and they were passing through looking to a, a, their reward of, of heaven and that eternal resting place. And they didn't have opportunity, opportunity to return there because they didn't consider it. Some of us have moved out from a place and we've stepped out because faith is a step out onto something that you can't see. It is there, but you just can't see it with your natural eyes. And some of us are tempted to go back to a place of comfort because here's the deal is that faith is uncomfortable. Faith will look, make you look foolish until the manifestation happens. Imagine being Abraham and saying, hi, I'm Abraham, which meant the father of many nations, and he didn't even have one kid. And his wife was 90 years old. I mean, think about that. I mean, literally, he was tempted to feel like a total fool and maybe want to just go back and crawl and hide or whatever. But faith stands in the midst of obstacles because it believes in the promise that God made more than it believes in the obstacles. And we just have to get resolve in our heart that God spoke this to me. This is what he said about me. This is what he said about my life. And I choose to believe that, and I will not believe anything different. Because in that place, God is the one that actually gets the glory. Anything that we can do in and of ourselves, we can have the glory for ourselves. Then God, we know he doesn't want to share his glory. And honestly, like he doesn't want uh, people to know your fame. He wants his fame to be known throughout the whole world. So anything that we can do in and of ourselves isn't an and isn't uncomfortable, isn't making us look a little bit foolish, yeah. then we probably aren't actually in faith. So that's like a, I would think a, a good thing, a good test to test yourself is if you're in faith, is this thing bigger than you? And uh, well, do you have a promise from God first? And if you have a promise from God, then if you're, if you're believing, if you're walking forward in that, then you're going to look foolish to other people. And so you have to ask yourself, can I accomplish this in and of myself? Or do I have to have this full reliance on God to see yeah. this crazy thing that he's asking me to do right. or believe for or step into? Because a lot of times, you know, it says in the word that we can have whatsoever we ask in um but a lot of times our heart motives and our asks aren't really pure and they're not 
actually what it is that God's wanting us to ask for. And so sometimes then we don't see the thing that it is that we're asking for because ultimately it's, it's selfish and, um, nature and we're called to be selfless people our goal and you have to remember this isn't to move our kingdom forward it's to move the kingdom of God forward because it's bigger than just us it's about the kingdom of God yeah and so we have to take that stance in that position yeah and, and with that there's a there's a balance and I know you know this there's a balance to where, you know, it's not about us, but at the same time, if you were needing something from the Lord that he's provided, it's not selfish to receive from the Lord things that he's provided, such as healing and financial increase and good relationships or whatever it is. So there is a balance to it, but when it comes down to it, it really is not about us. It's about promoting him, and it takes faith to promote a kingdom that you cannot see. (laughs) I mean, mean, we, we claim to be part of something that nobody can see. Yeah, and like it says that we are a peculiar people, yeah. a royal priesthood, a holy nation. Well, if you don't look, if you look and it says don't be conformed to the image of this world, but be transformed. And that word conformed is like fitting into the mold of the world system. We're at, you know, there's two systems. We can follow the way of the world or we can follow the way of the kingdom. And when we decide to follow the way of the kingdom, we look peculiar. We look uncommon to the world. World, but that's where we're supposed to be. Yeah, yeah. Amen. Amen. So let's uh, let's hit some things here concerning uh, these levels of faith. I guess we could have written that across the top. But these are levels of, of faith, and these are things that the Lord has really revealed to me, to to both of us. Uh, but can you stand up here? That would make me feel better. I feel like I'm moving back away from the pulpit, and this is boom where we make it happen. All right. So hallelujah. So I can see over the top of you. It's no problem. So. Uh, so, what are y'all saying? She's short? I don't understand. So, we've got these seven levels of faith, and the base level of faith, if you want to say it, is really no faith, which you have no faith in something because you have no knowledge. But once you get knowledge of something, you, you can either move in a wrong direction. For example, that would be an atheist, although I don't believe in atheist. Atheists do not exist. The Bible says that his invisible attributes are clearly seen being made manifest in them. Who's them? His creation. Everybody knows that there is a God. Anyone that says there isn't is in disbelief. They're taking a a knowledge that they have and specifically deliberately moving in a wrong direction of that. There are many people that they believe that God wants them healed, but because they've, they've experienced some negative thing, they prayed and it didn't happen, or Grandma Susie Q passed away or whatever, they got discouraged. And now instead of marching forward saying, God, show me how to, show me how to increase, they actually have met many, many people that say, I don't believe in that, that's not right, but in their heart they know it's true because at one point it was a revelation to them. So disbelief is moving in the opposite direction, but then we, we move in a positive way. You can have fat, pa- passive faith, and it's where you have knowledge of something, but there's no application of that knowledge. And faith comes from the Word of God, right? And so the Word is a seed, and so you can have a dormant seed, but until it's placed in soil, it will not produce anything. And so that's a passive faith. And then you have an active faith, which is actually moving forward. It may not be with much aggression, but it's moving forward in the right direction. And that's the basis of where we're supposed to be. This is like a base, uh, a baseline right here of where we should, as believers, we should never fall below that line. Once we have knowledge of something, we should never fall below that line. Um, 
excuse me, fall below this line. I drew the line in the wrong place. This is why I'm not allowed to have markers, all right? <laughs> wow, that looks really, I was like, Liz, let's make the board look really, really good. And that looks awful. We should never fall below this line right here of having active, uh, active faith. Praise God. And so when we have a revelation about something, something has come to us, knowledge of what God says, whether it be a personal word or be a promise that's in his word, we should never fall below the line of actually moving forward. Does that make sense to everybody? All right, but then there are different levels. So for example, there is aggressive faith. This is descriptive of the woman with the issue of blood. And she was aggressive and she pushed and she pressed through the crowd. There is a time, sometimes, when you take something that God has shown you and you need to become aggressive with what God has shown you, aggressive on the inside. I've met a many a people that stayed sick, they stayed broke, they stayed whatever, even though God had provided, they stayed here and they stayed um, uh, suppressed or depressed by the enemy and it's because they didn't become aggressive with what God showed them. And I'm speaking aggressively because that's what I do when I get fired up. But the aggression, it's not the loudness of the voice, but it's the intensity of the, of the heart. It's when you come to a place where you say, no way, devil, you are not stealing from me for one more second, not for one more day. The Bible says in Ephesians chapter 4, it says, be angry and do not sin, nor let the sun go down on your wrath. There's actually a command to get angry. If you've been dealing with a sickness in your body for a while, let me give you a word from the Lord. Get mad. Can I say get ticked off? That's as far as I'll take. I won't go any further than that. You need to get mad and angry, red hot on fire, that the enemy is stealing something that rightly belongs to you. Healing and health through the, through the cross of Christ, through the stripes that were born on his back, rightly as a son and a daughter of the king living in his kingdom, it rightly belongs to you. You, have a, you actually have a right to it. You have a right to it. And if the enemy's robbing from you, you should be mad. But see, people don't look at the enemy oftentimes as, as, as a, the, the thief and the robber that he is. You lock your doors at night. Well, hopefully you do. Probably most everybody in here locks their doors at night. I'll just assume you do. And why do you do that? Because you don't want something from the outside that doesn't belong coming in and robbing from what rightfully belongs to you that you have in your house. We need to view the enemy the exact same way, and we need to shut every door that would cause him to come in. And you know, people say this. I learned this from Pastor Bobby. He said, just because the enemy comes in and you leave a door open to him doesn't mean he has a right to your stuff. Sometimes people will say, oh, well, you know, you know, so-and-so did this, that, and the other, and they were in sin, and they gave the devil a right. No, he, didn't ha he doesn't have any rights. His rights have been stripped from him. You know, if you, have, if you leave your door open at night accidentally, let's just say, let's say you left your door open at night. Actually, I think I've done that before, but anyways. Does that give a burglar the right to come in and steal from you? It might give him access, but it does not give him the right. Let's say that you go away on vacation for a week. Let's say two weeks. Two weeks sounds nice. You go away on vacation for two weeks, and you leave your front door and your back door open. Now, that wouldn't be very smart, but would it give that burglar a right to come in and take something that belongs to you? No. And so just because you did something that gave the enemy access, now you ought to shut the door to the enemy wherever he's gaining access. Amen? 
But it doesn't give him the right to come in and pillage from you. You need to shut the door, and then you need to get aggressive. Well, before you shut the door, you need to get aggressive about taking back what he stole, kicking him out, and then you shut the door. Hallelujah. Amen. So that's aggressive, that's aggressive faith. Look at aggressive faith. And then enduring faith. And I want to get to fully persuaded faith and, and hit a few things there quickly before we close. But enduring faith is really, it's, uh, it's finishing faith. And it's what I started off talking about to where you stay all the way until the end. You just got to get resolve in you that you're not going to quit. You're not going to quit on life. You're not going to quit on the Lord. There's a lot of people, if they had really grabbed a hold of enduring faith, we would have to, here's the truth, I really believe this, people that had enduring faith, there are so many people over the years that have come into this and they're like, this is a great church, it's a powerful church, it's a faith-filled church, the presence of God is here, I am in. And then one little thing goes wrong, because I got news for you, this is not a perfect church. There's only one perfect church, and it's the church that's in heaven. Till then, we all got to deal with each other in these flesh suits with natural minds making mistakes, doing the best that we can. But because people don't have the mentality of having finishing faith, they come in and one little thing happens, they get offended, they don't like something. I mean, my God, you, you wouldn't believe the amount of stuff that I've, I used to care so much about what people thought. It literally, I think, I literally think I was close to a nervous breakdown at a couple different points. And then I'm like, you know what? Forget this. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to please God. I'm going to do what God's telling me to do. And people can have issue with whatever they want. And if they want to leave and they leave over silly things, I'll say that, silly things, then they probably all just go ahead and leave anyways. <laughs> Sorry. It's not the heart of a pastor coming out there. Excuse me. But, you know, you can't please everybody. And if you try to please everybody, you're going to drive yourself mad. I don't know. Oh, yeah. So those kind of people, they don't have enduring faith. Enduring faith says, I'm going to stick with you. Also covenant-minded idea in there, but I'm going to stick with you all the way to the end. I'm not talking about people. Sometimes people come in, they're like, nah, this isn't my flavor. And that's, you know, that's fine. That's whatever. But people that are like, man, we've put, poured blood, sweat, and tears, and then all of a sudden something comes up that they don't like. Welcome to the family. There's going to be things you don't like. I got four boys. Sometimes I'll sit them down and say, guys, here's what's happening. And most of the time, at least two of them don't like what's happening. But guess what? We're stuck with each other. You got to value things more than your feelings or your opinions or your ideas or your emotions. Forget all that stuff. Have enduring faith and stick with people. Stick with God. Stick with what God's doing. Hallelujah. Yeah, you got some that? Yeah, I was just gonna say. So the Lord was just showing me a picture of enduring faith is is the root system that's going on. It's the journey that you have had with the Lord and building your faith, your confidence, and your trust in who He says that He is. That as you see a victory, victory, you know, even small victories, they add up over time. And endurance, if you think about enduring faith, you don't just go, well, most of us anyways, don't just go think you're going to run a marathon tomorrow if you haven't taken any time to build yeah. uh, your ability to go run one mile. Running 23 miles will be like insane. Um, so you have to build your endurance and 
endurance is built over time, just like a root system is built over time, and it goes deep, 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 so that when um, things come against the word that you are standing for, the promise that God has given you, you can, you know, aggressively say, no, this is what God said, and then you can continue to go in pursuit of the thing that that God said. And so one of... um, a couple just this different verses in Ephesians 6 and uh, thir- 13 and 14 at, at the end of 13, beginning of 14. And this is something that um, the Lord just always speaks to me. And having done all to stand, stand therefore. That's sometimes right. you just have to continue to stand. That's right. And here's the thing. Sometimes in the mystery of not knowing um, what, and I know we've talked about or said this before, of not knowing how come or why or why hasn't it manifested or why haven't I seen this thing? Um, we we get we get caught up in the mystery and start questioning God and questioning Him, and then all of a sudden we stop moving forward, and we actually then go we become dormant because we don't pursue. We might say okay, and then it's not working, but we have to continue to keep pressing onward, knowing that God is who He says He is. And so, one verse it's a life verse for for us, for me especially, and I. Quoted all the time, Galatians 6, 9, don't grow weary in doing good, for in due time you will reap when you faint not. And the whole point, if you think about enduring, is that you know that you're going to finish. And what, come forward. The microphone doesn't like you standing there, and neither do I. Step okay, up sorry. here. Okay, sorry. Uh, no, <laughs> it's kind of a you, joke, okay? All right, we joke like that. It's okay. I'm, I'm sorry. Uh, Galatians 6, 6, 9. Yeah, so whenever, you know, the enemy wants us to quit. He wants us to not finish because yeah. then we don't put into the ground the things that we need to continue getting the, the kingdom to go forward. Um, if he can get you to be a weary or persuaded in the opposite direction of the Lord, then he is happy to do that because, you see, he has a kingdom that he's wanting to advance, but the Lord has a kingdom that he's wanting to advance. So right. you just have to choose what side that you're choosing to participate on. Am I going to believe? who God said he is, or am I going to just remain dormant, thinking that God is good, but not really knowing, so I'm not going to actually really pursue and continue on and build my strength and get my roots so grounded that whenever God says, this is what I want you to do, this is how I'm asking you to advance, that you can take that and you can aggressively and enduring push through to see that thing through. Yeah. So we have to, we ha- and then also, you know, the Lord speaks to me too, is like a lot of times we'll quit or we'll be tempted to quit whenever we don't realize that we're, we're in a season, like knowing your season, like you don't just what it talks about, the word talks about, you put a seed in the ground and you know that it takes time for it to you know, come into fruition. You're not going to plant a corn seed and the next day have corn. It's going to take some time for that corn to sprout out. And it's in that time that we endure and we don't waver because we know God is who he says he is. And if he spoke this, then he's actually the one who's faithful to complete it. He just needs us to be faithful with him and participate with him so that it can be seen through. That's right. Amen. That's right. Hallelujah. Amen. So Hebrews chapter 12, let's turn there real quick. I don't think I gave this to them in the back, but we're going to go to Hebrews chapter 12, um, one and two. And I just want to hang here for a couple minutes 
And uh, we'll probably have to come back next week and really hit the fully persuaded faith because I got a lot to say about that. But verse 1 of Hebrews, did I say Romans? I said Hebrews. I know, I was just making sure you guys knew. Hebrews uh, chapter 12, verse 1, it says, Therefore, we also, so when it's saying us also, uh, it's including us in with these heroes of faith that it listed in, in Hebrews chapter 11. Praise God. How many of y'all want to be included in with the heroes of faith? I believe there's going to be a whole list of, of heroes of faith in heaven, and it's going to have my name on it and your name on it. Hallelujah. Not everybody in the Bible was listed in, in the heroes of faith. There might have been some more that were that just weren't listed, but there were plenty that were not, and that's why they weren't in there. But it says, therefore, we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, most people think the, the greatest measure of faith is, is just is when you see a miracle. To me, the greatest measure of faith was, is when people don't quit. It says, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us. Weights are things that you're not supposed to be carrying when you're running a race. Now, you might be training for a race and you pick up some weights and run to build your muscles strong or something like that, but you're not supposed to carry them. I think about like playing baseball. You ever see how they put the rings on the bats, the weighted rings on the bats, and they go and they swing? But they only do that on, in the on-deck circle, right? And so then when they get up to swing, their, their body's thinking it's, they got to swing harder, but they're actually pulling that bat through faster. Am I correct, baseball man? That's correct. But you don't take the weights with you when you go up to swing and, play, and actually hit the ball. When we go and we're running the race in life, we are not supposed to carry weights. It messes things up. There are weights that people carry in this life that they are not supposed to carry. You can't be worried about what other people think about you and get anywhere. I remember hearing this in Bible college over and over and over and over and over that you cannot, you cannot care what people think about you or you won't get anywhere in ministry. And you know, I spent the first several years of my life caring what people thought about me and it nearly destroyed me. You know what that is? That's a weight that's something, it's a burden you're carrying. You can't carry things and really run the way that God has intended you to run. Hallelujah. If God has intended for you to carry something, then he has given you the grace to be able to do it. But if there is no grace in the thing that you're carrying, it is not of God. Let us lay aside every weight and the sin. Everybody say the sin. Everybody say the sin. Thank you. The sin is the temptation, or more than a temptation, but it's the act of quitting or giving up. What's the easiest thing to do when you're running? And notice it says the sin which so easily ensnares us. The easiest thing to do, I, Liz and I trained for a half marathon one time. I'm going to tell the story. <laughs> if you got something to say, you better step up to the podium. Why are you standing back there? Are you afraid? Oh, you're reading. Okay, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Uh, so anyways, Liz and I were training for a half marathon. And by the time I got to six miles in the training process, I said, this is stupid. <laughs> there is no reason to even run six miles, much less 13.1 or whatever it was. So she continued training 
And I took her to the race that morning, and I took a nap in the car for the two hours that she was running. And by the time the race got, was done, I felt better than she did. But not internally. I was like, you know, I probably, sh- I probably should have pushed. But you know what? I gave in to, to the easy thing to do, which was just to quit. That's why it's using this as an analogy here. The easiest thing to do when you're running the race of faith is simply just to quit, throw in the towel, and give up. But we're called to be better than that. So it says, and the sin which so easily ensnares us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus. So they're saying, look, here's your example. Unto Jesus, and Jesus was a man. When you see the word Christ, it's speaking about his deity. When you're, speak, when you're seeing the word Jesus, it's speaking to his man side, his, his flesh side. Not that he wasn't uh, still God, but it's speaking to the human part of him. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. There's coming a time when you can sit and stop and... I don't want to say give up, but to, but to where your race will be done. Now is not that day until, as my grandma would say, until your old toes turn up <laughs> and you go on, your race is still going and you are, you are required to continue moving forward in the Lord as believers. I'm so thankful that the grace of God extends to people for salvation even when they quit. There are all kinds of people that put faith in Jesus, but they just gave up on life or whatever. And I'm thankful for the grace of God that that brings them into glory, even though they quit and they gave up. But I don't want to end on a downward spiral. I want to end going upward. It says that Abraham, uh, it says that he, and let's see, how does it say that he increased in faith, giving glory to God. You can actually increase in faith and not decrease. And when he was using faith, he was increasing. So he was in the middle of believing for the manifestation. He was in the middle of the seed being planted and seeing the harvest. And he was increasing in faith because he was giving glory to God during the process. We're supposed to go and get all the way to the end of our life. And we're supposed to be stronger and better and more vibrant in our faith than we were when we started. We're not supposed to get to the end of our life and be weary and worn out and have nothing good to say, have no joy in our life, no peace, not be able to encourage other people. The older are supposed to encourage the younger. It's not necessarily an age thing, but it's a, it's a time and years in the Lord thing. I don't want to get to the end of my life and be so messed up from life because I had my eyes focused on the stuff going on and not focused on Jesus, that I have nothing to offer people that are younger than me. We have every opportunity every day, not every opportunity, but we have plenty of opportunity every day to throw in the towel and quit and give up and get weary and discouraged and just be like, I don't want to do this thing anymore. But if we can just have resolve in our heart that no matter what goes on around us, we are going to stay steadfast towards the Lord, we can get to the end and have something to offer. We can get to the end, and when we die, and they say something about us at our funeral, they can legitimately say that they believe God and they trust in God all the way to the end, and there can be an amen. I went to a, uh, one of my grandmother's uh, funerals one time, and uh, they said all of these things about her because it was the thing you were supposed to do, but most of it wasn't true at all. 
you're supposed to say nice things about people that pass on. And of course, that's what you do. You, know, you honor their life. But they said all these things about she was a good, strong Christian woman and she, took, she was so nice to people and all these things. And I thought, is there a different woman in that casket than the one that I knew? Because I didn't know that side of her. You know, and so you want the things that are said about you, they're probably going to say them either way, but you want them to be true and genuine. This person loved God. They loved people. They cared about people. They stayed steadfast. They were strong. They stayed in there all the way to the very end. That's what I want to be said about me. That's what I want to be said about you. So you just have to develop this enduring faith. Hallelujah. Amen. I don't have time to get into the fully persuaded faith. Do you have anything else? Well, hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Y'all get something and, out of this? Yeah, and I would, I would just say, too, you know, a lot of the, the enemy really <laughs> wants to discourage people out of um, the race. And so it doesn't matter that if you had stopped, that you can't get back in the race and continue to keep, keep going. Like, yeah. we can continue to step in, and the Lord will see us through. You're not, there's, you're never too late to start again because, you know, the, the pursuit of the Lord is always and forever, and we should always be in it. And he wants to journey with you. It doesn't matter that you had quit or stopped, but he wants you to con- get back in and then just continue on and yeah. continue to trust him right. and continue to build that endurance so that you can keep going. I was looking for the verse. I know it's in Isaiah where he just, you know, a lot of times we um, – we think when we're thinking of a natural race, we do get weary and you do get tired. I mean, if you're going to run that many miles, if you're thinking about a marathon, by the end, you're going to be tired and you're going to have to fight. But um, it says, uh, it's Isaiah 40. I knew it was somewhere. It says, but those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles, they shall run and not be weary, and they shall walk and not faint. And that is a promise for us, that as we go with the Lord, that we won't we won't get weary right. and we won't faint, and we can continue to press on because he is who he says he is, and he will do what he says he's going to do. And he wants to use you, and he wants to build you up and encourage you to continue on with him. Yeah, amen. And you know, that, that waiting on the Lord there, it's not a passive, like, I'm That's just right. waiting That's on the right. Lord, but it's actually a place of serving the Lord. Yeah. So that could look like you're literally serving people, but it's really, it's a place of, of service to the Lord in your heart of, of forward movement. It's actually not uh, neutral or backward, but it's forward movement kind of waiting on the Lord. And when you do that, that's when your strength gets renewed. Sometimes we just, we want to take a break from everything and be like, oh, I just can't handle life anymore. And I'm, I'm down for vacations. I love vacations. <laughs> but you can't, you know, you can, I've been on vacations before and <laughs> not taking the opportunity to press into the Lord and came back and all my problems were still there. How many of y'all been there before? Amen. And so it's, it's not about just pulling yourself um, out of everything of life and like that kind of like, oh, I'm just waiting on God to fix stuff. No, it's an actually, it's a pressing into the Lord. Yeah. And when you do that, your strength will be renewed. You have grace to run your race. There is grace to run your race, but you don't get grace one day and then all of a sudden you're propelled for the rest of your life and you don't need to go and receive more grace. That's right. The provision is there, but you only have enough grace for this day. That's right. You only have enough grace 
for this day. Tomorrow, you need to go to the Lord and you need to get grace for that day because your race continues. And if he doesn't empower you, you are going to faint. You are going to grow weary. You're going to give up. You're going to throw in the towel at some point because you can only run so many days a race in your own strength that you don't have the ability to run. You have to get your strength from the Lord and it comes from pressing in to him, spending time with him. And that's where the strength will come from. If God is changing your life through this ministry, join us in reaching others by partnering with us today. If you would like to give or would like more information on how we are making a difference, visit ociperryville.com.